Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Ottawa, the debate continues about, uh, if, well, interference, of course, in our Canadian elections. Foreign powers, how much of an influence, what did they do, what did the government, if anything, know, and on and on and on. And, uh, well, there's a, a real headbutting going on here, a political headbutting going on between Pierre Polyev and Justin Trudeau on what's happening here. Global's Kyle Benning has some details for us. The Conservatives, NDP and Bloc Québécois all echoed their calls for a public inquiry into foreign interference. Despite doubling down, the Prime Minister remains steadfast in the government's plan to implement a special rapporteur. Justin Trudeau says the Liberals will listen to proposals for the position. We will, of course, uh, be open to suggestions that uh, the various parties put forward for names for this uh, independent special rapporteur. On Monday, the PM announced the role and clarified the person would be in charge of ensuring Canada has the tools to defend itself from foreign interference, as well as reassuring Canadians their institutions are secure. Kyle Benning, Global News. So I don't know if anybody's really moving the yardsticks on this debate. This is a very serious issue, and uh, you'd, you'd like to think uh, that there might even be some bipartisan cooperation here to try to get to the bottom of it. I don't see that on the horizon. Maybe maybe we're just misreading the tea leaves here. Uh, our next guest may have some perspective on that to help us uh, uh, get a clearer picture. Michael Kempka is, of course, an associate professor of criminology at the University of Ottawa. Michael, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning, Bill. I'm looking at some of the comments of Mr. Polyev and, of course, Mr. Trudeau's uh, defense that, you know, this is not really necessary. We don't need this inquiry that they're asking for. Uh, there's a little part of me that says, when are the adults going to get into the conversation here? These guys want to play political football with everything. This is a, a very important issue. Well, hopefully soon we see this adult conversation because it goes right to the question of the integrity of Canada's system for voting and representation. And if you can shake the public's faith in those things, you might as well hand it to the opponents of the modern democratic state because you'll suppress voter count. People won't come out to vote and all kinds of radical ideologies will sneak into the House of Parliament as a result. A bit similar to the dynamics in the United States. We've got to get on top of this urgently. Well, and you're right. It, it doesn't take much to push the electorate in the, in, in a different direction, does it? Uh, you know, all you need is, is a, a guy like a Donald Trump to say the system is broken, the system is corrupt. And there are people that are looking for an excuse uh, to try to, to push back. And, and boy, we're giving it to them right now. And I, I, I'm hoping it doesn't come to the same end that, that it seems to have had in the States and, and the, the kind of uh, problems it, it's created there. Uh, but the inaction here, I think, is what bothers me. I mean, are we really at a stalemate here about how to handle this? It shouldn't be a stalemate because it's actually pretty simple. That sort of warning about the United States, that's the distant warning in the horizon. There are steps yeah. that we can take to head that problem off at the pass and fix this before we get to that. So that's a serious, threatening outcome. But we can do we, there's things we can do in the meantime to get things back on track. So on the one hand, calling for an inquiry right out of the box uh, at the beginning there, I understand the appeal of that because you want independent people, not people who are appointed by uh, the prime minister or his office, not people who are in any way beholden to the Liberal Party or the Conservative Party to look at this thing from beginning to end and figure out what's gone on here in terms of what we've been hearing, leaked documents to the media from CSIS explaining how, in their view, they've received intelligence that the People's Republic of China is funneling money to preferred candidates, for, at least at the level around the greater Toronto area, and also 
keeping voters who are not properly registered on buses under threat of yanking their visas and sending them back to mainland China to vote for preferred candidates in nomination contests where candidates are determined for elections. So if we don't get to the bottom of that, these are serious, serious problems. So I understand the appeal of an inquiry. Justin Trudeau is, amongst many of his flaws, at minimum politically shrewd, and he has kicked up a very complex set of proposals that distract, in a certain sense, from having an inquiry and create a little bit of time. It slows the process down, and I, on, on, if you interpret that charitably, maybe he's hoping things cool down so we have a more rational discussion about it. And if you interpret that less charitably, you say he's just ragging the puck here and causing a delay, hoping that some of the heat comes off of him. Well, and, and when you look at, well, I was going to say some of the details. There aren't that many details to look at here uh, with what he's proposing. But uh, he did say that uh, whoever this person is, uh, at the end of the, their report or uh, their investigation, uh, they would retain the right to, to suggest that there should be a full investigation. So it's, it's, it certainly sounds like he's just buying time here, doesn't it? It does. So one advantage we might have, though, this fancy name of the special rapporteur, which is a concept that actually comes from the United Nations. They're always bringing in these special experts that they call special rapporteurs. Um, is to come in, take a look at what the existing institutions are already doing, especially NSICOP, which is the National Security and Intelligence Committee of Parliamentarians. They're the ones, they're going to get all kinds of uh, inside secret information. They look at what happened. They're going to more address systemic issues. In other words, reforming the system. That body doesn't really get into the question of individual blame and responsibility for anybody who may have done something that's improper or illegal. There's a couple of other bodies that are looking at more systems approaches for how CSIS and the police and government all interact with each other. And that's important. The idea is that this rapporteur would then look at that and say, what's missing in the mix here? And if there's going to be an inquiry, let's not have it be duplicative. We'll have it only do the things that haven't been covered. In my mind, I don't see anybody who's going to cover that question of individual responsibility and potential consequences for any bad behavior other than that inquiry. And I think that's where we should go very focused, don't allow anybody to change the channel and start pointing at all manner of very broad issues. What happened in those nomination contests? What's going on with Chinese dollars? Who knew about it? Who's benefiting? They've got to wear it. How difficult, though, is it going to be to, to keep the guardrails in place for something like that, Michael? I'm a, I think that's always a concern. I don't care who's in government. Uh, that that you know sometimes the, the the people that take over these investigations uh, do tend to to take some side roads or some off ramps and uh, you know the Clinton investigation I don't know going back in, in political history here but mm. they, they were essentially investigating the possibility of of, of a white water and investments down in the southern United States uh, they didn't really find anything but they didn't break up the investigation they just decided all of a sudden Ken Starr investigation they just decided to start investigating the Clintons personally and that's when they got into sex lives and everything else that was that but. And we all, we all know where that ended up. And I'm not suggesting that's going to happen here. But can you do something like this? Or is it going to depend really on who is going to be appointed to run this whole thing uh, to keep it on track? It depends on who's appointed. Uh, you definitely need somebody with a history of working with all political parties who knows something about how the security agencies interact with one another and with government. 
So it's for me, it's really no use just appointing some very learned judge who's up to date on, say, the criminal law or even national security law as a theoretical set of issues. You've got to have people who understand how these agencies interact with one another, what their culture is, where the uh, roadblocks are for sharing information and where all the sort of sneaky stuff happens and address that in their inquiry. I think one of the ways to keep it from going off track is you do it in phases. So there's some urgent matters that have to be resolved before the next election, which in a minority situation theoretically could come any time, although we do have a supply agreement until 2025 by, on the part of the NDP. Say right away, we need to safeguard our nominations process and cleanse our donations process before the next election. Because these, there's no secret here, we've already identified these as the weak links in our electoral chain that are most open and vulnerable to foreign interference. This work could be wrapped up within a year, uh, sort of lickety split in that way, so that by the next election we're ready. And then if people want to start getting into any of the broader issues that we've missed, add those on as second or even third phases of an inquiry. Don't start with all the big questions. We won't have any answers in time for an election, and we'll have the same vulnerabilities in place. How do you select a leader? I mean, you know, the prime minister's suggesting that he'll take suggestions from the opposition parties. Uh, Mr. Polyev yesterday, I'm sure you saw his presser, Michael, he essentially said anybody who's ever been associated with the Liberal Party is corrupt, so they can't lead this thing, which is a pretty childish thing to say. There's some reputable people that may have voted Liberal or been Liberals at one time, uh, would probably be qualified to do this. Uh, no matter who they select here, they're, they're damned if they do, damned if they don't, as to who's actually going to get the job. Well, that's right. And so I'm, I've been very hard on the liberals in what I've been writing the last couple of days, because that's more my experience, uh, you know, having operated in, in a nomination in Scarborough in 2015 that didn't work out for me, but seeing these things on the ground. But all political parties are part of the same set of systemic issues. So, look, if anything was done improperly by the Liberal Party in either taking money or uh, sort of improper votes from Chinese... Uh, the Chinese diaspora that was pressured by Beijing to support particular candidates, they've got to wear that. But at the same time, we can't accept a position on the part of the conservatives or any other that the end game here is simply to remove Justin Trudeau from office. Beyond the question of Justin Trudeau, there is this corrupted and corruptible process that all parties are benefiting from. We've got to fix that process because the end game here is to make sure that voters retain faith in the voting system and the system for representation. It's got, you know, in a way, I understand many people are very angry with Mr. Trudeau, myself included, but the end game here is not simply to get rid of him. We've got a bigger set of issues here for whoever then becomes prime minister. Well, and I understand Polyev's strategy here, such as it is here. He just he, he wants to cast that shadow right now so that no matter who it is, he can just claim partisanship, which he's done on other things. Uh, and I don't know who the answer is. I, I know who they might appoint in something like this. But you, I, I think you've nailed one of the major concerns here in the process itself, Michael. If you're looking at this through the prism of defeating Justin Trudeau, uh, this is going to fail no matter what. Uh, you know, where's the focus here to find the, the, as you say, the weak links in the system and shore them up. I mean, we could be going to an election again in another year, could be six months, could be, as you say, 2025. I'd like to think that they're going to identify and address some of these weaknesses. Well, I hope so. And 
you know, I know that's the old story, address systemic issues. But I'm also saying, sure, those who have done bad things must be held responsible. And that includes, if it's the case of the prime minister, then he's got to wear that. But I would also say there are some conservative members of parliament and provincial parliament in Ontario that I and other journalists uh, have their eye on who may or may not be involved in similar processes. So the blame is not going to stop with a couple of people in the federal government. Everybody who's been implicated in these kinds of dark networks hooked up with People's Republic of China, allegedly, is going to have to uh, answer for that. Which means they're probably going to have to cast a pretty wide net then, aren't they? Yes, you start, the, the you know, many of these things are amongst the worst kept secrets uh, amongst political operatives on the ground on the east end of Toronto. I mean, every junior uh, campaign volunteer has heard the whispers about who is involved in these networks. So to map it out and look into it, starting with the leaks that we've already had uh, reported by Global and the Globe and Mail, from those players, it's not difficult to draw the web of connections to other political actors throughout the GTA and then look into it because there may or may not be merit to this intelligence. Intelligence that comes from CSIS is not evidence that could be used in a court. It's not the same quality. So you start with the intelligence and you investigate it and work out if there's actually something going on about these whispers that we've all been hearing on the east end of Toronto for a decade. I, I know we're almost out of time, but I've got to get your perspective on something else that uh, that uh, we learned of just the other day. Uh, the RCMP apparently announced an investigation, but not into foreign interference, but into the whistleblowers, uh, they, or some people say the leakers, uh, who leaked these, this information in the first place. Uh, is is that focus wrongheaded? I mean, shouldn't we be focusing on the problem here, not the uh, one of the, the offshoots of the, that problem? Well, I mean, I get why they're doing it. They're saying it makes us look bad in the international intelligence community if we have people in our intelligence apparatus leaking stuff. I would say, okay, fair play, go after that. But at the same time, you've got to be looking into the other prong of this, which is what is the content of these leaks, which is alarming to Canadians, the idea that their electoral system has been infiltrated by hostile ideological opponent states uh, around the world. So, all right, look into any potential leaks if you must, but please look into the, the content of those leaks because that is the real concern here. Well, and that's what happened. I mean, again, I don't want to get you know, the historical perspective on this. Uh, you know, when Daniel Ellsberg uh, leaked the Pentagon Papers, I mean, he was considered to be a traitor uh, by that administration because it exposed some rather embarrassing aspects about their Vietnam strategy. Uh, but in, I think history now understands that without him, God knows what would have happened. I mean, you need that that sort of courage, I guess. So we have to tread carefully as to exactly who they're investigating and what their motivations would be. Well, that's it. I mean, there's a checkered history of leakers. Not all of them are sort of uh, right off on the white horse. Some of them have bad intentions. Yeah, true. Uh, so I think we need to look into it. But at the same time, it's the content of the leaks that is the most alarming at this time. Exactly, as they saw with the Ellsberg's work. Uh, a fascinating process. Always great to get your perspective on this. Michael, thanks so much for this today. Thank you kindly, Bill. Take care. Michael Kempa, Associate Professor of Criminology at the University of Ottawa. Always great to, to get his read on what's going to be happening next. And we'll watch and see what's going to uh, come about when the, uh, the the members get back together. I think they're all having their meeting. This is Wednesday, so they're all having their caucus meetings. But uh, during question period later on, you can bet that the, the fires will be stoked once again. 
The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.